Wow, we were all singing so good. I just want to sit in that a little bit longer. Right? But prophetically enough, that simple last line of prone to wonder, that's what we're going to talk about today. It's kind of what we talk about every week, right? Like, yeah, we're just prone, prone to wonder. We have, uh, we completed our crusades, if you will, through 1 John. And I don't know how long that took a long time. And then we, we did uh, an Advent season. And then last week, Corey shared his heart with us, what the Lord's been speaking to him about um, refocusing, I would say, Corey, back to the truth that what every person who wants to uh, be a Christian, right, that's the title we've given him, uh, is actually someone saying, I want to be, right, not only a, a disciple, that's the word that we've used, but, but that, that means, you know, a learner, a student, an apprentice, is the word that Corey kind of brought forth to you, called your attention to. And so I think it's really powerful for us to, to realize because we've all, you all got here somehow. And maybe it's your first time in church. Maybe you're celebrating your 10,000th time in church. I don't know if that's possible, but I didn't do the math. Anyway, many times you could have been born in church like I was, it seems like. And, and so it might have different meanings, but a new year... It's just a fun way to say every new day God has new mercies for us. To obey him, to receive his forgiveness, his mercy, his healing, and his strength to bear with all the consequence of the sin of the world, the sin of other people, and the sin of ourselves. And that's really what we need. So we did what was kind of a foolish thing, maybe. We put a box up here um, a couple months back and said, hey, once we're done with this study through a book, could you give me some suggestions on what kind of topics you'd like? So we're going to take a little topical break here. And one that came up, right, um, was self-control. So I'm going to give you the ultimate hypocrite sermon, okay? Because, like, I am not the one qualified to teach you about self-control. I mean, you can look at me in two seconds. You're like, this dude does not have self-control, in some of the areas in his life. I might as well get up here and give you a lecture on how to grow and style luxurious locks of hair, right? It's just, however, there is truth, and I know that God is working in and through me in this area. So I'm going to pray that he carries us through this and that, that it's helpful. That, that's what it's got to be, guys. It's got to be the Holy Spirit coming here, teaching any open and willing heart to help us, to grow us in Christ like this. And this isn't a fast process. It isn't a short journey. It's going to be quite a journey. And so I'm not so sure that we can even cover self-control. I know we can't. I don't know how long and how much the Lord will have me break this up. Um, but I will tell you one thing I want to present to you, that self-control is, is equally a matter of the will and a matter of the heart. And so anytime we dig into the inner life of a person, what we do is we in, jump into the Pacific Ocean with a straw and we try to drink it. It is difficult. Or we, if you like the other metaphor, we try to drink from a fire hose. So, Lord, I just pray that you would just be in our midst here, Lord. I know that you indwell everyone who believes. And so I pray you'd well up in those and that you would fall upon us in a new and fresh way, Lord, in, in such a way that our eyes are opened and our ears are opened, that you just tear the scales away, that you illuminate 
every metaphor I can think of, Lord, that you would just come and give us interpretation and perspective and wisdom, Lord, so that we can begin to practice these things as your apprentices, even practice things that, are, that take the power of the Holy Spirit to do, Lord, that you would teach us and then help us walk this out, Lord. I pray this in your name. Amen. Okay, self-control. Now, let's just jump right into that. Okay, self-control, you know, you want to kind of define that a little bit, so this might help, okay? It refers to our ability to control or restrain ourselves from all kinds of feelings, impulses, and desires, which includes the desire for physical, emotional, and material comfort. I found this quote. For some reason, I I liked it, so maybe it'll help you too. Self-control is simply that important impressive and nearly impossible practice of learning to maintain control of the beast of one's own sinful passions. I like the beast metaphor because that's like me, I think, you know? I don't know. Maybe it's all the hair on my back or something. But I just, the beast works for me. It's, I feel that. I mean, even, even in the last 24 hours come to talk about this, how many times I failed to practice self-control? Right? Especially if any of you guys, I mean, it was Christmas and New Year's. I mean, if anything, who practiced self-control and what they ate? Right? And that's a way PG Christian thing to say, but then you think self-control with drinking, self-control with, with sex, self-control with money, um, self-control with things that you said you were around your family. I know how that goes, so maybe you said things that did not need to be said. We've clearly probably had some epic failures in the last two weeks with regards to self-control. So um, let, me, let me show you a couple scripture references here. Titus, right? Who wrote Titus? They believe what? They believe Paul wrote it to Titus. So it's, it's a letter, right, to Christians, someone, to a Christian leader to try to help them out. And he says this, Titus 2, verses 11 through 14. For the grace of God has appeared. Okay, when he says that, what does he mean? The grace of God has appeared. Jesus came, right? That's what we just were celebrating. Like, yes, the grace of God, right? His unmerited favor, it also means his power, right? His power, God has shown up in a big way, bringing salvation for all people, training us, see that? Training us, catch that, to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age Let's stop there. I think what's super important, guys, if we want to be apprentices of Christ, if we want to be Christians or disciples, we have to understand, we've got to throw off this way of thinking that says, I showed up one day and I got everything in one download, and now I'm good. And if I didn't get it in that download, then fake it till you make it. No, 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 no. That is not the Christian way. That is not the way of a disciple or an apprentice. What we're doing here is God came to bring salvation and to train us. Not training, not easy, takes time. Right? Okay. Train us to what? To renounce ungodliness, man. Not want any part of ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright and godly lives in the present age. And that's where we are now, waiting for our blessed hope. Okay, what's our blessed hope? It tells us. 
the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. So bad news. The fullness of life, the fullness of everything that you and I were created to live in and enjoy is not here yet. Not, not the fullness. The Christian life is that the Lord's bringing you. He's bringing his kingdom now. And he's teaching and he's training you. And with great expectation of hope for that day that he comes back and finishes what he started. Right? And some of us, you know, apparently will take some kind of cloud ride and other of us will die physically and go to be with the Father. Right? COVID's doing some favors for some of us right now, getting us another step closer. And the rest of us are going to have to bear with it a while longer and sit in our hope. But he's trying to tell it's important you're being trained in self-control. Okay? Proverbs. 25, 28 says this, a man without self-control is like a city broken into and left without walls. I like that. I'm going to read that again. A man without self-control is like a city broken into and left without walls. So why, let me ask you, because I could just lecture at you and that's not going to help. Think about it a minute. Why is self-control so important? Why is it so important? Oh, I'm sorry? Helps you to identify with Jesus Christ because he exercised self-control. Okay. Yeah. It's a fruit of the Spirit, so when the Spirit's working in you, you'll see that come. Is that what you're saying? You'll see that show up? Okay. Someone said something here, I think. Did you say something? Helps you to obey God. Yeah. A way to deny your flesh. Yeah, and you bring up an important truth that you've got to be reminded. See, we, you can't dance with both the flesh and the spirit. Right? You don't multitask. You don't compartmentalize. What you're doing is either obeying the spirit or obeying the flesh. And those two... And, and, and the word with the flesh, right? I mean, not necessarily your body, because your body can agree with the Spirit and do something loving, right? But we're talking about all the sinful nature, all the impulses, all the selfishness. We're not going to do that and walk the way of the Spirit at the same time, right? So anytime we're exercising, I choose to go with what God says rather than with what the world and Satan says, that's a victory. That's good. Okay, what else? Why? Okay, let, let's suppose you have it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so what you're saying, and tell me if I'm not, not summarizing this right, but it actually will show who you're listening to, right? Because ultimately, we're living in a world with a lot of noise. And all of mankind has lived in a world with a lot of noise. And so if, it depends on what suggestion you're going with, right? So self-control is, is in a way 
choosing the right person to listen to. Yeah. Who is in complete control? God is. Yeah. He raises the question, who is in complete control? And the answer, right, is the Lord is in complete control. From the Bible, we know that Jesus rose to authority, and he sits in that authority until he makes his enemies his footstool, right? So he is in control, and so what happens, what you're, what you're saying here is like, ultimately we're saying, I don't need to control because he's in control. And we're, we're trusting him, we're faith, trust, believe, all those church words, that's what we're exercising when we exercise self-control. But yeah, it, like, like what, I, what I think is important is, is to understand, and I might be jumping ahead a little bit with what I want to say, but, but not everything, not every suggestion that's offered to you is good. Not every impulse that you have is good and good for you. So sorting those is that discernment, that wisdom, that perspective is a big work of the Holy Spirit in the life of an apprentice of God. And if we're not paying attention to that, we can get misled. And when you get misled, you do this thing that we call sin. And when you sin, although there's forgiveness, there's consequence, right? And so... Self-control helps us to avoid the sin and the consequence and the death to relationship and aspects in our life. Okay, well, let's keep going before I jump too far. So let me ask you this question. Where do we fail? Because ultimately, we look at this. On the positive, we want to have self-control. On the negative, what areas do we fail to exercise self-control? Okay. What's that? Thoughts? Yeah. What else? My will. Yeah, help me get specifics, right? So appetites, okay? Well, let's, let's even get more specific. So appetite for food, right? Food, bad, or good? It's good, right? Right? It's good. Can we agree too much food can become bad, right? Okay, food, that's a great example. What else? Sexual appetite. Sex is good, right? If, if exercised right within the confines of marriage, good. And not done enough, by the way, okay? Flat out, not done enough. Marriage counseling, guys, I'm telling you. This is what I see time and time again. Out of control, done with someone who's not your spouse, outside of your marriage or before you're married, bad. Okay? What happens when you, when you eat too much? You get fat, it affects your health, you, right? So you get all sorts of illnesses that have to do with that. Some of us have issues with our blood sugar. You have genetics combining with lifestyle, and it just kicks you in the teeth, okay? Sex, right? We get adultery, pornography, right? Even husbands who are, like, insensitive to their wives, wives who are insensitive to their husbands. You have teenagers having sex, right? Did that, big mistake, consequences from those things, right? Pregnancies when you're not ready for it, right? People who don't want to get pregnant, so they get abortions. All of that is birthed out of a lack of self-control in the sexual area. Okay, what other things? Exercise, yeah. Yeah, we're not, we're not in self-control over our body. Um, 
So yeah, right? So on one end, you don't do enough. So we see big effects, right, of, of a, uh, what's, what's the word I'm looking for? A sedentary lifestyle, if you don't get any exercise. And then you get people who are so hooked on fitness, it becomes their God. Or your appearance, right? Money is another one, right? Money, we, the, you know, someone who's really poor, they can become almost obsessed with getting money. What happens when they get more money? As, the, as a poet once said, mo money, mo problems, right? That's what happens. A great poet from the 90s once said that. It's true. Um, you, you do that, like power. Yeah, did you have something? Laz, laziness, slothfulness, right on the other end. Yeah, yep. So another thing that we can do is we can actually um, say something when we shouldn't say it, Right? That's why James talks about bridling the tongue. What other things? What's that? Worry. Very good. Worry. Like, we don't, we don't talk to ourselves. I love there's an author who I was reading, and, you know, he died, I think, with my, before my parents were born. But what's cool is he said, you gotta, a Christian has to take themselves by hand. It's like, just calm down. Like, take yourself by hand and ask the Lord, right? And I'm like, oh, that's so brilliant, right? Because worry is one. Um, gossip, right, with our words, we do things like we gossip or we tear down. See, here's what's, here's what's a challenge about all of that. Um, things like worry, gossip, fear. Distrust. Distrust. If, if we don't, let's say you and I are in relationship, within the body of believers, there's supposed to be some kind of level of confrontation, in a way, right? If you have enough relationship, let's say you join one of these groups, like the marriage study, and you begin to share your life, and you get in there, and one husband can say to the other, hey, brother, let me challenge you, man, because what, how you're treating your wife right now isn't right, okay? That is very Christian, very prescribed by the Scripture, and very godly. However, when that's, when that's done in an unbridled way, not directed by the Holy Spirit, you can simply criticize, gossip, and tear down. So you know how we've responded in church, church-wide? We just don't, we don't say anything now. And we fail to do the thing God's called us to do. Right? And I know that's true because whenever, as a pastor, I feel like a lot of what I do is actually have those hard conversations for you which is weird. It's not supposed to happen that way. But since I began, that's always that. Will you come tell them for me? Okay. That's not what the Bible says. That's not what God wants. But I get it because we don't want to get to gossip. We don't want to get to tearing people down. We want to watch the words. You say a word that, that causes destruction. What other things? Self-control. Addictive substances. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so you're saying with your gifts, the opposite of that, or also the abuse of that. So like, let's say you're a person, right? Some people you'll observe, they can actually handle, they have like what you call like a big plate. Well, a lack of self-control will get that person so overwhelmed they're not effective, right? So with maybe a smaller plate who, who I like to say it's a bowl rather than a plate, right? Because it's deep, but it's not as wide. They want to focus on, be more diligent on fewer items. They can do the same thing. They can take nothing on and offer nothing to anyone because they don't want to get overwhelmed. 
Do you see where the self-control is tricky? Like, don't do nothing and don't do everything. Don't say nothing and don't say everything. No, don't pretend you're never going to have sex, right? Because then you get corruption, right? But don't always have sex. Don't never eat because you'll die. Apparently, I haven't experimented with that. Or don't always eat because you'll become obese and unhealthy, right? Don't have a reverent fear of God and don't like try to play dodge cars out in the parking lot, okay? But don't be so afraid you're locked in your house, right? Wash your hands because there's a sickness going around, right? Don't build an underground bunker and hide in there, right? You guys seeing this? Okay. So cool, cool. Can we come to this point where we can see that this is an important reminder that I'm bringing you today? It's no, yeah, it's no wonder that came up. No wonder the Lord is, is speaking about that. Now, let me make this extremely difficult. Here's where we're jumping into the ocean, Randy. Give, give us wisdom on how to handle it. See, self-control involves both our actions and the emotions and desires behind those actions. Let me illustrate this for you. Do you remember one of the things that Jesus called, like the Pharisees and the religious leaders, he, he referred to them as, as whitewashed tombs. On the outside, they were all sparkly clean and washed and painted whitewashed, right? And on the inside, rotting flesh. So some of us are more self-disciplined than others. Some people are like, I don't get you chubby people. Like, I just eat bread. I'm like, you know, and I weigh like 110 pounds. I'm good with it. It's not a problem for me, right? Other people, the sexual sin doesn't get them. Other people, the fear doesn't get them. It, some people can have naturally the ability to control certain aspects of their life, or you can fake it, right? I, uh, I hide out so that there's nothing to tempt me, Or I pretend I'm not tempted when I am until the truth comes out. So, right. And that's the whitewashed tomb thing. I'm presenting to the rest of the world this sparkly clean exterior with complete self-control. And on the inside, I am out of control. And the other part that's interesting with this, guys, is it's hard to talk about because then you walk away with a to-do list of things to do to have better self-control. If you succeed, you become a whitewashed tomb. If you fail, you beat yourself to death. Because we have to, as, as disciples, apprentices of Christ, look at the, the whole picture. See, so to push against the constant pull of these worldly desires in order to please our Lord is extremely difficult, okay? And it requires moment-by-moment awareness. That's the only thing I can tell you about it. This is, this is all I can figure from prayer and looking at that, is this is going to be labor. And I know it's not just me, because even Paul, who some would argue, was one of, one of the most admirable guys that ever lived in the way that he followed God, right? I mean, hey, he's the author of most of the New Testament and, and did that without actually physically walking with Jesus when he was alive. I mean, impressive stuff. Brought a message to the, to the Gentiles, which most of us are. Um, 
So that's why Paul discusses his own inner conflict and struggle with sins in his letter to the Romans, where he says, what I want to do, I do not do. The evil I do not want to do, this I keep doing. And then he goes on to say, it is sin living in me that does it. So if it happened to Paul, it's happening with you and I. Like, oh man, I want to exercise the self-control. Because when you give in to something and you don't exercise self-control, how do you feel? Lousy. And what's the probability you'll do it again when you feel that lousy? Right. So what ends up happening, because the reality is what's going on inside of you comes out. That's just a fact. What goes inside of you comes out. One, two, how you treat yourself is eventually how you'll treat everyone else around you. Those are two truths. You see that? What's inside you will come out. So in order to exercise self-control effectively, your insides need to change. Well, that's easy to do in one sermon. Or one day or one calendar year. No. So you and I, right, and we're battling so many things, and we're battling circumstance. That's the big bad word. Circumstance. It comes at you. And when the circumstance is bad, it's hard to keep self-control. But here's, here's what I want to tell you. God using his messengers, the people that wrote the scripture and talked about it since then, he's used these people to direct us to exercise self-control. Right? Can you see that? Okay. We're together? You guys asleep yet? No? We're good? Okay. You're like, I don't want self-control. That's okay. Three of us do, maybe. Unless maybe we're going to work on this. Um, the cool thing about that is God doesn't ask you to do things that are impossible with him. So this implies two things. The fact that he's directing us to do this. One, that self-control is needed. It's needed in my life. It's needed in yours. It's that there's something in us that needs to be controlled or restrained. We must bridle the beast. I wrote James 3 pretty small because that talks about the tongue and the words that you say. So there is this beast, all these things we talked about, right? Like our appetites for food, um, you know, appetites for sex, appetites for money, power, those are usually reaches out from a sickness inside us. Do you see that? And when you get those things on the outside, our sickness inside us doesn't change. That healing has to come from God. And then out of the healing and the filling of the Spirit, this stuff happens. Now, the second aspect to this is not only is there a need for it, there's a potential in us or through us for accessing or drawing from a power source to restrain it. I mean, ultimately, the spirit working in you is what's going to, and I'll show you the scripture for it, is going to feed you into self-control. But you do have a certain amount of willpower, right? It doesn't have to be a cosmic heavenly event for you to say no to the second cheeseburger, right? It doesn't necessarily have to be like a, a complete holy moment, right, for you to you know, resist drinking too much or sexual sin. Those things can be practiced as empowered by the Holy Spirit. Does it make sense so far? Clear as mud? Okay, we'll keep going. So the potential for this, so good news, one, there's, there's a need. And if, if you're stuck there, write it down. 
I, I don't think, I think I got this sewn up, Will. Okay. Spend some time with the Lord and, and help him, ask him to show you where you need self-control. Because I am telling you, all of us need more of this. In particular, in the world we live in, in the affluent culture that we live in, we have so much access. I mean, think about it, guys. On your phone, you can use it to make money. You can use it to tear people down. You can use it um, for sexual activities. You can use it, right, for gossip, for slander, for fear, for anger. You can, you can order whatever addictive substances you want on there, right? I mean, that's in the palm of your hands, the access to commit all sorts of, of evil. And the potential for like so many things, like listening to a sermon or a podcast, texting someone who's got COVID who you can't go into their house or calling them, right? Reading the scriptures. Then mowing money to someone in need. I mean, there's all these things we can do if it's done within a self-controlled environment. Galatians 5. I thought this was interesting. Galatians 5, let, let me start with verse 19, maybe the, the less popular, less frequently used one. Galatians 5, 19, it says this, the acts of the flesh are obvious. Wait, 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 wait. Okay, listen. Acts of the flesh. If, if my guess is right, what we're going to see is a lot of those things that we were talking about us lacking self-control in are going to be on this list. Do you see that? Because the flesh is going to feed and, and call after um, things in which it's asking us to give up our control. So the acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality. You guys got it, right? You, you said it. Impurity, yeah? And debauchery. Idolatry and witchcraft. Hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy. See, we didn't mention jealousy and envy. Those are huge too. Drunkenness, orgies, and the like, I warn you as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. And I'll probably unpack this. We're going to need another week to unpack some more of that. But ultimately, do you guys see what we're dealing with here, right, is, is our flesh, the beast inside us wants us to do these things. And depending on you, and where you struggle, and your particular insecurities inside. Some on this list is like, yeah, no thanks, and others are like, yeah, I get it. I get it. So that's when we follow the flesh, right? Now, Galatians 5, through 23 says this, but the fruit of the Spirit, okay, this is how fruit works on a tree. You can't make it grow, right? A healthy tree produces a certain type of fruit. If it's an apple tree and it's healthy, it produces apples. If it's a pear, it produces pears. So for you, if you've got a healthy inside because you're full of the Spirit and you're actually choosing to go with the Holy Spirit in obedience, this is what your life will come out of your life. If not, you can't force this long-term to happen. The fruit of the Spirit. And it almost becomes like it builds on one another, right? The Spirit is love, which we just learned is the most important thing, right? It's the foundation for everything. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. 
Against such things there is no law. So it's saying, if you're doing these things, no one's going to argue with you that you're doing the right thing. Oh, dang, you're so self-controlled. I mean, geez, how, how kind are you? What, how annoying, right? No, um, but you can't make these things happen. Now, an interesting note, even Brandy and I were talking about this this week. Interesting how, how self-control is at the end of that list. Why, why might that be? Most important, okay. Any other thoughts? What's that? Foundation. It encompasses the others, yeah. So I, and I, think, I think you guys are right. I think what it is is, right, like we start with love, receiving God's love in abundance so we can give it. And then he heals our insides. As he heals our insides, then we have joy. Because on the outside is circumstance. Do you get that? Bad things will happen. Look how easy it was. Throw a virus out there, man, and like watch it shut down the world and make us act retarded, right? Right? Like idiots. We're fighting with each other. Families don't get along. It's like civil war in your house. It's just, it is silly. And how easy and simple it is because we lack self-control. Because we lack God's love inside us. So like what Will, you're saying, I got to be full of God's love in order to have self-control? Yes. Yes. So maybe we should stop talking about it now and then just preach about love for like 17 years and we'll come back to this. I don't, I don't think that's the right way to do this, but I think you need to leave today not feeling you have to master this self-control thing, but to know that it's there and it's something to practice, okay? Because as you fill with more love, you're going to have more joy. As you fill with more love of God, you're going to have more peace. When you have, you're going to have patience only when you're more full with God and kindness and goodness faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. See, so therefore you don't just will yourself into self-control. It comes from the inside of a person who is following the direction of the Holy Spirit or being Spirit-led. I said it that way because I think that phrase has gotten hijacked. The Holy Spirit can do, do, do a mystical, miraculous things, Okay. But what's probably so much more important than that, frankly, I believe, is that day-to-day empowering that he gives us to live and love and to have all these gifts. Because if you could do a miraculous tongue one day or a miracle to save, heal somebody, if God used you to pray and he healed their back, that's cool. But if you're a nightmare for 65 years... Your kids won't love the Lord. Your spouse won't love the Lord. Your friends won't love the Lord. I don't care what kind of magic you bring. Being led by the Spirit is being directed or being Spirit-led. See, so now we stepped into the ocean, right? I've got to get God's love in order to have self-control. This is an issue of the heart. And, and there's another hijacked word. So like the, the inner life, right? The center of a man or a woman, their heart. Thoughts, feelings, emotions. In the dance with the spirit, in the pull against your flesh, and it is a, a crazy orchestra of things. So what do we do? What do we do? Well, what I need to do, what I need to call your attention to and remind you to to do is to understand this. First of all, it's choosing. That's what it comes down to, guys. The big picture is this. God, when he created us in his perfect will, he planned for us to have free will. 
You heard that before? Now, it doesn't mean we do whatever we want without consequence. What it means is ultimately God did not decide it was best to create some God-obedient robots and put them on earth. It's not what he did. From the first man and woman, they had the choice to choose to follow God's directions and to live in his presence or not to choose his direction and bring death into their life and into the world. And we know what they chose. You too, thousands of years later, have that same choice. And what's happened since then is all those with God, right? They're testifying to truth. They're encouraging, building up, edifying you to follow God and obey him so that it goes well with you and that God brings his saving into your life. So that even though you walk in the valley of the shadow of death, you see the goodness of God. Does that make sense? So there's voices at play. The Holy Spirit, um, the cloud of witnesses, right? Um, the church body, friends, all sorts of people who come in the name of God, all sorts of messengers, your favorite artists, authors, whatever, they're, they're speaking to you. And then, at the same time, Satan, knowing he's lost and lost his battle for the heavenly realm, right, has been come to earth and he's waging war against people to destroy us. He's going back and forth trying to get us to agree with him to follow his direction instead of God, and thereby getting what could be called a stronghold in your life. Habits, right? You keep doing it. I keep eating this way. I keep doing this with gossip. I keep, right? I mean, it's hard. Like, you go to a church small group, man, that's like the gossipiest place wherever, you know? It's awful. It really is. And it's like such a fight to get against that. Why? Because it's become such a stronghold. Like, well, what are we going to talk about? Well, geez, you see Josh? I mean, why'd he cut his hair like that? I mean, right? This is what ends up happening because, or, oh, yeah, the world sucks and the government, right? Okay, great. But it's these strongholds, right, of fear and anger and gossip and worry and your addiction to chemical substances. Man, I, I've got to indulge in these lustful desires that I have for food, for drink, for sex, for power, for money. And once it takes hold of you, it controls you. Right? At some point, guys, God is not going to come move your lips for you, and Satan won, and Satan didn't make you do it, too. They both had a recommendation, and you chose who to say, that sounds right. You agreed with them. And then you acted based on what you agreed with. I had a friend who said, my wife kept saying to me that I'm... Like what I'm, I should do what I think is right. But he goes, I am doing what I think is right. Otherwise, I wouldn't do it. And I'm like, that's a pretty obvious statement, right? The problem is he was seeing it wrong. So once you start to say, oh, I agree that's the right way to do it based on my circumstance. So first we choose. And then once we choose, the choosing again and again and again could be referred to as practicing. And one cool thing that happens with the practice is at one level, practicing it, you get to see the fruit of it, right? For somebody who, who's living enslaved to something and then they don't do that thing, at first, there might be some withdrawal or missing, but after a while, there's a euphoric feeling. Because I can tell you when I've said or done the wrong thing, when I engaged in sexual sin or I said the wrong thing or I got angry or I ate too much, I never afterwards were like, that was awesome, Right? 
Like, that was great. Like, if you drink too much, you don't feel great the next day. Anyone have an affair and like, yes, that was amazing. I just should do that again. This is great, right? Yeah. No, you don't think those kind of things. But sometimes when you don't, when you make the right choice afterwards, like, yes, I did what was right, and it feels good, man. It feels good. Ultimately, it comes down to choosing the spirit or the flesh. Here's another great question. Say, I got this wife, and she'll ask me a great question. She said this. So you think about the areas of, uh, where self-control is hard. Why is it hard for me to choose self-control in that area? Right? Okay, so just so it doesn't convict you, let's just pretend you have one of these issues, okay? Now, if you think of, now use your imagination. God's given it to you. Imagine you're having a struggle exercising self-control in some area. Why is it that it's a struggle to make the right choice? Because I want to do that. Or I need to, is the thought, right? And if I don't do it myself, then what's going to happen? It's not gonna, God's not going to provide. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, what else? Yeah, kind of like when, when they've encountered people who are rescued from starvation. I read this, and I'm like, oh, I never thought about that. But you, almost, you have to limit the amount of food you give them at first because they will gorge themselves to death, right? The circumstance is such you're starving. All you want to do is eat. Okay? So let's say, let's say like gossip. You, you gossip, one, because maybe you're bored, you don't know what to say, and it's become habitual. You gossip to lift yourself up and tear them down. Don't tell me to stop that, because then I have to realize I got issues, and I don't need to point out theirs. Like sexual sin, right? It, it'll always start with, it's, my needs aren't getting met in the way I want it to, so I'm going to go hijack it, because if I don't hijack it, I'm not going to have that need met. Money. I don't have enough money. I might lose my house. You know, I grew up, my mom was poor. She had to work three jobs, you know, and I had to sell drugs on the street. So now I became a rapper and money's my God, but it's not making me happy. So I overdose on drugs. Right? I come from a poor family. All I could do was play basketball. In high school, they treated me as a God. In college, and then I tried to play pro. 22, my life is over. Like, I was hurting inside, and so I latched out in lack of self-control. I see the truth inside, and no one's listening to me, so I have to just lash out and say hurtful words. And then over time, what I see happening a lot, and I feel it coming from me, is that the hope and hopelessness battle. Because those words and those voices come, and when you've given yourself over, right, to, to like, you're right, you're right, you're right, you get to a hopeless place, and then it becomes an avalanche of lack of self-control. Well, why are you eating so much? What does it matter anyway? Right? Look, why aren't you exercising? What does it matter anyway? And you can't underestimate this, because the world is telling you so many lies, Like 34, you were too young, and 35, you were too old or something, somewhere in there. So if you think there was more hope for you somewhere in there, I don't know, you slept one night and that was over, right? You, uh, 
You know, there's never enough food, enough sex, enough money, enough fame, so to feed and heal the sickness inside of us. Why is it hard for me to choose it? Because circumstance is not helping out. Oh, man, let's say, let's say, uh, here, so I'm not picking anyone. Pick a problem that we're struggling with. Not you, of course, but someone else. What's a self-control problem? Throw one out, somebody. Bitterness, okay? So you're feeling bitterness probably towards, because of unforgiveness towards a person, and then you see that person again, and the circumstance is this. They treat you equally as cruddy as they did the last time, and you're like, I'm going to stop being so bitter. And then the circumstance is like, how easy is it to not be bitter? Yeah. Oh, I'm not going to worry about money. And then you get an uh, eviction notice. I'm not going to worry about sex. And then you go home and you're either not married or your spouse hates you. I'm not not going to do food. But then you get hungry. You look at yourself. You're chubby anyway. So, and they got 99 cent Big Macs, you know. So, right? Circumstance is not going to help you out in your choosing. You know who will help you out in your choosing? Holy Spirit. He's not going to do it for you. Because if you remember from the prayer we call the Lord's Prayer, as recorded in the Gospel there, one thing that Jesus asked for was that he would be delivered from temptation. Okay? So I think that's a great place to start. Even though none of us are going to learn self-control in one sit. I think we all have to come to this agreement. One, I need to exercise self-control and practice it. Two, there is, right, and there's a potential for me to do that. And it comes with the asking, Lord, deliver me from temptation. Deliver me from all the pull trying to get me to choose the wrong thing in this area. Help me to see it differently. And give me the strength to say no. Okay. But now here's an important part. It might still come. That temptation, that circumstance, it might still come. Why might it still come? What's that? You're still in the world and you're still in training. I mean, remember what God did to Job? Yeah, give him a try. Give my brother Job, you'll love him, man. Give him a try. He won't curse me. Test him. Test him. And by testing, you'll know that your faith is genuine. It might get through. That temptation might get through. And then it really is up to you, as empowered by the Holy Spirit, to choose yes or no. So here's my advice to you. Here's a powerful thing. When it comes to circumstances, you can't wait for circumstances to change so that you can change. That's what we can't do. We've got to pray against that in our conversation with God. Man, the circumstance is driving me here. I'm not going to expect it to change. If you do, Lord, great. Help me to choose differently. And in that moment, when you're hearing all those voices, I think the most powerful thing, tool, and walking in the Spirit instead of the flesh is simply pausing. Pausing. Is that... Does that sound weird? And it doesn't have to be really holy, but I'm learning just this pause, and i got to take my own advice. Pause. And you say, Lord, I, I don't know. Right? Just even under your breath, like, I'm thinking this, 
well, I don't know, maybe this. Just pause. Pause. Ask him, like, Lord, come into this. Spirit, speak to me. Tell, help me to know. And this could be in a moment, right? Hey, you want to go to my house for dinner? Okay, should I? And no. Or, yeah, practice it. Practice it with, like, dinner invites, right? <laughs> Don't practice it with, like, move across the country, right? Or, like, yeah, right, okay? And some things are obvious. Hey, Corey, let's, you know, some woman wants to approach you for an affair. That's an easy no. You know, right? You're married, okay? Um, but other things, it's going to take the guidance of God. But I think walking in the Spirit instead of the flesh is all about the pause. And then you choose the no to go the Spirit's way instead, and then you, then you really got to pray. Because every, every positive mood you make for God is strongly opposed. This is discipleship fact. Once you do something for God and say, yes, God, I'll do that, you will get kicked in the face. So when you say no, when the enemy of the world and the flesh wants you to say yes, expect it to say, are you sure? 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 Circumstance, right? Holy Spirit, strengthen me. Guide me. Take this away from me. No, 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 no. Practice self-control. Corey, what do you do, man, when you blow it? Oh, I should have said no, and I said yeah. What's that? Kick yourself, yeah. But what should we do? Run to the father. It's like the prodigal son. Oh, I blew all your money on prostitutes and slept with pigs. And if you say it that way, it doesn't sound as bad, right? What you probably did. Like, yeah. like, okay, father, forgive me. This was wrong. I'm agreeing with you. Man, I don't want to choose that again. Deliver me from that. Help me. And then pause. Pause. So, okay, I want this to be helpful and practical. I think we need to, I, I'm, I'm praying about what to do next week because I have other topics, but we might need to just delve into some more heart stuff. So, Sam, if you come on up, man, I'm going to close up here. But what I would tell you is self-control is important. Let me summarize. Self-control is important. You need it because without it, right, you're susceptible to every suggestion. And the louder suggestions and the immediate suggestions are most often not the right ones. Okay. Now, the cool news is the longer you walk with Jesus, then some of your will actually starts to match his, and that's a slick thing, right? Like some of the areas of your life, you've come a long way in faith. Some of you have been through health stuff like nobody's business, and so for you, you're just like the chillest person. When it, oh, cancer, whatever, right? Or money, eh, whatever. Or sex, yeah, whatever. Like you have that faith where your gut response has been sanctified by God. And praise him for that. Keep walking on that. But now let him do it to another area in your life. Okay? So, we need to, but, but let me give you this practice self-control. Well, why is that important? I want, I want us to transform our minds and our vocabulary on this. And why I think it's important is because if you leave here today and you're like, you know what, Lord? Show me where I need to practice self-control where I haven't been. And then what happens with practice? I'm a sports fan, right? I grew up in that, coached it, played baseball. You know a baseball player that hits half of the 
gets on base half the time when they're up to bat, what they call that. Hall of Famer, right, is what they call it. So you can fail half the time and be a Hall of Famer in baseball. And I think this with Jesus, it happens like that. You can practice and you can miss big time with. But God is there if you return to him to help you, to heal you. Consequences can still come. That's why you'd rather hit the ball when you swing. But we practice. We practice self-control. And I think one of the best tools that we can do is, one, we pray ahead of it. We're constantly trying to be diligent, praying, right? Using that wisdom to stay away from the pitfalls. And then ultimately pausing when we're faced with a big decision. Okay? And then after we make the decision, we pray for strength to stay in the no or stay in the yes. Okay, this is unorthodox, but any questions before I close up? I know that pastors don't ask questions. I mean, there's more to say about this, but... Just a question. Yeah. Okay. How do we get there? How do we stay there? And to me, the answer is surround yourself, not only with those, but surround yourself with women that encourage you, spur you on to... Yes. Yeah. So I, I love that, Randy. I think that's a really great question. One, the question he's asking is like, you really have to ask, like, how is it that we stay in that, right? When, we're, when we give the right no or the right yes, how do we stay in that area? And he says there's really an answer for us in Hebrews. And that, is, that has to do with this. It's right around you. It's to your left and your right. It's to the brothers and sisters around you who will spur you on into love, which is the first thing we need, and good works, which is the result of it all right? Spur you on to be there for you, right? Because we can help each other out. We can encourage one another in a way. It's like the Israelites. You know what their, you know what their best weapon was against all the kingdoms of the world in the Old Testament? Have tons of babies, right? Look at it. It was like, oh, there's so many of these rats. I don't know what to do about it, right? And so they had to take them seriously, even though they didn't. And with us, you end up populating your life with more voices speaking truth than voices speaking lies. And that helps. If you come here and hopefully out of all my banter and like whatever, you got some kind of truth, and that's all the truth you heard this week, good luck. Because you can just go turn on Fox News or any other news station, no matter what side they are, and they got plenty of lies for you. Facebook, I know they have it. I mean, the grocery store's got plenty of lies. I mean, everywhere, right? It's just everyone's going to lie to you. The world is going to lie to you. Um, so, yes, what's another practical way that we can do that? Go to truth. Extensions of that. One of the blessings that we have is, guys, there is, there is like amazing worship music and teaching and books that can kind of keep you in truth throughout the week. And so those are all helpful, too. But it will never substitute this. Yeah. Other questions? Okay. Here's what I want to do. Um, we've, we've got communion set up. And here's what we're going to do today. Uh, when we go to the table, when we go to the table before the Lord, that's what we're doing. We, we take uh, the bread and the, and the juice, and we do this um, not only in remembrance of Jesus, but it's an opportunity, a reminder, because life gets so crazy that every time we do this, we examine ourselves. And so 
I would tell you, based on what the advice of the scripture is, if you're ready to examine yourselves, and in particular this time, I would say examine yourself about whatever God's bringing up with this self-control conversation. That you would go to the table, and as you take that, you can grab it, bring it back to your chair, and do the work. Examine yourself. Ask the Holy Spirit, speak to me, Father, like through the Spirit, so that I know where you're working in my life, because I want to keep growing. Okay, so I'm going to pray. Everyone who would like to use that, I mean, you don't have to take that. You can stay in your seats. But I would challenge you to begin, not only today, but as you go through this week, um, think in terms of practicing some self-control. Ask the Lord to show where he's working in your life on that. Okay, let's pray. Father, thank you um, for your truth. Help us. Help us, Lord. And by help us, strengthen us, one, Protect us from the temptation that doesn't need to come to us. Keep it away. And Lord, when it comes, when the pull comes and the push to do the wrong thing, to lose self-control, I pray that your power be even greater in us to say no or, or to say yes. Lord, and then I would pray that your spirit would strengthen us to stay in the yes or stay in the no. And I pray that you would just bring people across our path, whatever it takes, to build us up, to encourage us to stay in that yes and no as we begin to practice self-control. Lord, we love you um, to the best of our weak ability. Help us to grow in loving and receiving your love. I pray. Amen.